Well, good morning again. James chapter 1. I think this subject will be near and dear to all of our hearts. Well, maybe not near and dear, but you don't have to be a deep theologian to understand the text today. It is a convicting text because it speaks about how we use our mouths, speaks of the government of the tongue. Now this is a subject that by this time, actually we'll see in chapter 3 of the book of James, this is a subject that was near and dear to James's heart and God inspired him to write much about the tongue. In fact, in chapter 3, we'll see that James speaks extensively about the little member that boasts great things. And really the trouble that we can get into because of the words of our mouths. These last two verses in chapter 1, and we'll not look at verse 27, only verse 26 today. The first is an indicator of worthless religion. And James says that's an unbridled or an untamed tongue. Next time, the indicators of pure religion or Christianity. Worthless Christianity, pure Christianity. And so this is the text for today. Look at it there, verse 26, we'll read it. If any man, or really if any one, it's not just talking about the men, if any man among you seem to be religious, seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain means it's it's worthless it's good for nothing it doesn't really produce anything listen if there's ever this one of the strongest indicators and in what James speaks about of the authenticity or the proof of genuine saving faith in you will be how you control your tongue how you control your tongue how you use it what you don't say with it. And so that's what James speaks about. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, please help us, I pray. Father, if there's anything that I want, it's a tongue that is governed by you, tamed by your spirit, Heavenly Father. And Father, I pray that there will be none of us that have unbridled tongues, Father, Lord, to speak foolish words. A fool, you teach us, is someone who's full of words. And in the multitude of words, there's no doubt that the more we speak, the more we'll sin. Lord, help us, Heavenly Father, to use our tongues and our speech and our words to edify and to glorify you and not to detract or dishonor you. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you're a believer in Christ, you should not be one who is always quick to speak or react. In fact, the Bible says the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. In other words, we should consider, ponder the path of our feet or ponder the words that would come out of our mouths before we say them. We should not be quick to react or immediately say what's on our minds. You know, sometimes the thought circuit is hardwired to the speak circuit, and that's bad. We need to be one who thinks before we speak. James actually says we ought to be swift to hear and slow to speak. The wise man in Ecclesiastes says, be not rash with thy mouth. Now listen, this is, listen, if you're somebody who has problems with your mouth and you're a Christian, the Bible gives us truth and God will give us grace to help us to learn how to speak with our mouths. In fact, the Bible says the tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright. But the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. So we need to be ones who have controlled or bridled tongues. A bridle is not just for restraining. It, a bridle leads a horse when he has the bridle upon his head. The ninth fruit of the Spirit is temperance. And so if you are a saved person, if you've believed in Christ, then one of the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. It means that you're under the control of God. The Spirit of God is in you, and Christ is now on the throne of your heart. And God, with His Spirit, will give you the grace and capability to control and restrain yourself from sinning with your mouth. The more you mature and learn Christ, the less you should sin with your lips. Now listen, there's a growth process here. Just as you're not immediately biblically wise, well, take some training for how you speak, what you say, what you shouldn't say. But what should become more obvious as we grow in grace is that our words match our profession. That we don't betray ourselves as being ones who possess a vain religion. Listen, the worst thing we could ever be is Christians in profession, but not practically in the world. To, to, to know a lot about Christ, to know what the scriptures say, but to never practice it out in the world. That's vain religion. No fruit. And beloved, that shouldn't be us. Bottom line, if you have an unbridled and an untamed tongue, and you're not doing something about it, you are a professing Christian, James says, who is self-deceived. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. See, when we sin, and it should bother us to sin when we're in Christ, but when we sin, we should have enough spiritual self-awareness to realize it and want to do something about it. James says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And we should, we should have a, a great desire to do that. Listen, you may be a religious person, but your religion and your Christianity is worthless 
if you have an unbridled tongue. It's vain. Why? Because it brings forth no fruit. There's no product. It brings forth no fruit in your life. In other words, out in your life, your Christianity doesn't really make you any different. Listen, a Christian should never be one that's shooting off their mouth or one who has an unbridled mouth and who just says what's on their mind. Listen, if you don't practice your faith in Christ, you are contradicting your faith in Christ. If you don't practice it. In this case, you are contradicting your faith in Christ by an unbridled and an uncontrolled tongue. But listen, and I've said this, I'll say it again. Every Christian struggles with controlling their tongues at times. We will all insert our foot into our mouth sometimes. I was watching Andy Griffith the other day. <laughs> and Andy said, how did I get that size 12 boot in my mouth? Sometimes we do. We sin with our lips. And beloved, when we do, or but when we do, we ought to be spiritually aware enough to recognize when we've done that and then to do something about it, to repent, to confess it. Go confess to those that you've, you've offended, that you've sinned, and then confess it to the Lord. Listen, last time we learned as children of God that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. A hearer will hear about how they should be with their Christian mouth, but they'll never do anything about it. Listen, if we only hear the word, but we, we never practice and do the word, if we never do what Christ commands, we're deceiving our own selves. He said that. If we're only hearers and not doers. Listen, the word of God is the mirror. Do you remember that? Remember the mirror of God's word? You remember if you go look in the mirror? And we all look in the mirror, don't we? Remember that? You get real close and you see something on your face? If you see a big smudge of grease on your face, do you look in the mirror and walk away and not wipe the smudge off? Of course not. You wipe the smudge off of your face. So when we look into the mirror of God's word, because James calls the word a mirror, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and does what it says, that's what it means to be a doer of the word. That's the Christian life, the walk by faith and obedience to what we learn in the Word of God. Listen, every day of our Christian lives ought to be filled with practicing and doing what we have learned and heard from the Word, what we've seen, what God showed us about ourselves and about Himself. When He shows us something, the Christian life is now we go and do what God says. Back in Luke 6.43, He said to some of the people, Why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? And do not the things that I say. If I'm your Lord, then do those things that I say. Listen, we need to be sincerely and honestly testing and examining ourselves in the light of the Holy Scriptures each day. When you read the Word of God, it's for you. It's, it's God's revelation to you. It's God speaking to you about you. And when He speaks to you about you, we're not supposed to be reading the Word of God about our neighbor. Yeah, yeah, they need to hear that. No, read the Word of God for you, beloved. And when you read it about you, you are to do something about it. That's the Christian life. It's not deep theology. It, 
It's easy to understand. We all know what an unbridled tongue is, and God's teaching us about it. In fact, in the Psalms, with this introspect, to be introspective is to look at yourself in the light of the scriptures. The psalmist says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I thought on my ways. Listen, if you're going to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, if you're going to learn how to rightly use your tongue, if your tongue will be tame, well, first of all, It'll never be tamed unless you have the Spirit of God within, unless God saves you from your sins. But even after that, beloved, if you're going to be sanctified and grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, then, beloved, you need to be in the mirror of the Word of God and you need to be examining yourself in the light of the truth of God's Word. In fact, in Jeremiah, I'll just read you one quick verse. This is Jeremiah this is actually Lamentations. In chapter 3 and verse 40, Jeremiah writes, Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. How do we turn again to the Lord? How do you turn to the Lord after you've searched and tried your ways? Right here in the Word of God. So we're to be searching and our life is to be a consistent turning to the Lord. In this case, are you learning from the Word to control your tongue? Are you learning that from the word? Have you made this a matter of prayer? If you have an ungoverned tongue and if you say things all the time that you shouldn't say, are you aware enough to make this a matter of prayer? Help me, Lord. Do you cry out to the Lord? Help me, Lord, to know when to speak. Help me to know when to be quiet. Help me, Heavenly Father. Listen, you got to realize that a big part of your Christian life is God enabling you. Listen, if the Spirit of God is within you, remember you have the, really the eighth and the ninth fruit of the Spirit, meekness and temperance. Meekness is a necessity for being restrained. Meekness and temperance. Meekness is humility. Temperance is being able to restrain yourself. And so, beloved, do we have that? Listen, James's theme, you know, is show me your faith by your works. Today, James is telling us, show me your faith by your words. Show me your faith by your words. Again, back to verse 26. If any man or anyone among you in your gathering or among you as saints seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now listen, there are many in churches today who only seem to be religious. Now there's nothing wrong if somebody sees you and they say, he seems to be religious. That's not a bad thing. Especially if they don't really know you. Somebody might look at you and say, well, you know, she seems to be religious. What matters, though, is after they get to know you and then they find out whether you really are what you seem to be. We ought to be what we seem to be. But sometimes we're not what we seem to be. And listen, that's probably happened to you. You can look at somebody at a distance, and we kind of do that in our minds. We say, oh, they look like a nice person. Or, you know, you, you kind of you think about what type of person they might be. 
And then after you meet them, have you ever met somebody after you didn't know them and all of a sudden they are not anything like you thought they would be? James here says, if any among you seem to be religious. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, you should not only seem to be a Christian, but you should actually and practically be a Christian. You should actually be a Christian. You should practically be a Christian, which means you actually practice your Christianity. And listen, a lot of times the way we betray ourselves is when they hear us speak, when they hear us talk, when they hear an unbridled tongue. Everybody knows what an unbridled tongue is. It's a tongue that's out of control. It's talking too much. It's saying the wrong things or it's saying things that are dishonoring to God. Listen, to only seem to be a Christian is like almost being a Christian. Does anybody almost want to be a Christian? To almost be a Christian is to almost be saved. Does anybody here just want to almost be saved? No. Do you want to just almost go to heaven? No, you want to really go to heaven. You want to really be saved. If you're not saved, you should want to actually be saved and really be saved. You're not helping anybody else to fake it if you're lost. And listen, people do that all the time. Listen, fallen humans are, they're pros at pretending to be what they're not, especially when it comes to God. You're not helping anybody. It doesn't help you to convince people around you that you're, you're a Christian or you're in Christ or you know what it means to be saved. You're not helping anybody if you're just pretending. It's so important, beloved, that we are what we really seem to be. Again, it's okay to seem to be a Christian to those that don't know you. But when they get to know you, you should actually be what you seem to be. They should say, boy, he really is what he seems to be. She really is what she seems to be. That should be us. But in James's example, this is one who seems to be religious and has an unbridled tongue. Listen, if you consistently have an unbridled tongue, listen, everybody, again, everybody struggles with shooting off their mouth sometimes, and you have to go back and you know what, I'm sorry for that. Forgive me for that. I shouldn't have said that. How many times have you said something and you said, that was so stupid? And you have to, it's like you want to go run and hide in a corner. It happened to you, you just say something, that was just stupid. And then, you know how you ought to think if that's you and you're a child of God, you ought to think, you know what, that was dishonoring to Christ. I mean, that's how we ought to think when we, when we shoot off our mouth. But listen, if you have a consistently unbridled tongue, that's a strong indicator that you are only what you seem to be and not what you really profess to be. If that's always your habit and you're not doing something to correct it. Think about it. What good is your profession of faith in Christ if the love of Christ doesn't consistently come forth from your life? And in your words and how you speak to others out there in the world. Listen, we should be prominently known as Christians by what we say, 
But a lot of times, we're just not a good reflection of what a Christian could be by what we say, and that's bad. Listen, Christianity unpracticed is not Christianity. Now, what does unbridled mean? Of course, you know what it means. It's kind of intuitively obvious. You know, what is an unbridled tongue? It will help us to understand the horse's bridle. Y'all, who rides horses? I've ridden a horse, but horses don't like me. When I get on the back of them, they take off and run. <laughs> and I can't stop them. Pull back on that thing and they won't stop. The best I understand the bridle, and you can correct me later, is the bridle is the entire leather straps and harness. It's, a, it's everything that goes around the horse's face. And there's a bit that goes in the horse's mouth. And the bit is attached to these little levers like on the sides and that's the reins. And the rider holds the reins. And so the horse's bridle, which the reins are attached to, is around the horse's head. And it gives the rider the ability to lead and guide the horse, to turn the horse to the right or to the left, to let the horse run, this is what I've never figured out. I let them run and they'll run, but they don't stop when I tell them to stop. It's like I had to jump off of this horse. Horse was nuts. He was an unbridled horse. He was a bridled horse, but he was unbridled. He wouldn't stop. Think about putting a bridle on an untamed horse. You've seen people get horses and they try and tame them and they, they try and get the bridle on it, and the horse goes nuts and tries to kick them off. Wow. So uh, there's a horse that won't accept the bridle. It's a horse that's very difficult to control. In fact, look right there in James. Let's read this. Look at verse 1, and James talks about this extensively. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it because we'll be in this chapter shortly, but... He starts off by talking to preachers or those that would be preachers or teachers. He says, brethren, be not many masters, or he means let not many of you become teachers, basically in the church. He says, knowing that you will be more strictly judged by the words of your mouth. Not just here, out there. People say, you mean you're the preacher and you talk like that? Notice, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, in other words, if any man's not offensive in what he says, the same is a perfect man. Doesn't mean sinlessly perfect, means spiritually mature and wise. A Christian who is fully grown up in the Lord. If any man doesn't offend in word, he's perfect and able also to bridle the whole body. You ever notice how the tongue of someone angry, it engages their whole body. It engages their fist. I mean, somebody gets... The tongue starts going at it. It engages 
their whole body. He goes on, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. That is, except when I ride. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven with fierce winds. But you ever see the size of the rudder on a great ship? In comparison, it's very small. The rudder that's in the water. But it turns the entire ship. Even so the tongue is a little member that boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity is in your tongue. So is the tongue among our members. It defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fires of hell. The proverb says, An ungodly man digs up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. How much trouble would be prevented if the tongue could be controlled? Every kind of beast and birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of who? Us. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You can hurt people really bad with your tongues by the words that you say. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Psalm 32 Psalm 32, Psalm 32 and verse 8 and 9, the psalmist here writes in verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse. Or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle. And those last words are very important, lest they come near unto thee. The implication is lest they kick you and bite you. In verse 8 he says, I will instruct thee. If you will be instructed, then guess what? you willingly take upon you the yoke of Christ. A yoke is like a bridle. You are willingly bridled. You willingly bring yourself under submission to God. Listen, if we would control our tongues, beloved, we must first submit ourselves to God. As Christians, as Christians, we must submit ourselves to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to the Lord. Draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. Now one more passage in Jeremiah 31 and verse 18. This is the children of Israel confessing their sin, repenting of their sins against God. Telling God that they should have never cast off the yoke. Telling God that they would not submit themselves to God. In Jeremiah 31 and 18 he says, I have surely heard Ephraim meaning Israel, bemoaning himself thus, 
Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised. As a bull unaccustomed to the yoke. Question for you, are you accustomed to the yoke of Christ? A bull unaccustomed to the yoke, or a horse unaccustomed to the bridle, will throw it off. And Israel's confessing and repenting of their sins to God, saying, we didn't obey you because we were unaccustomed to the yoke. We refused to submit to you. We would not have you reign over us. This is what Israel says about himself. I was like a bull unaccustomed to the yoke. Beloved, I pray that's not us in our Christian lives. Listen, in in Ephraim's repentance, he confessed that he was an untrained and an undisciplined believer in God. I would not be controlled, so I threw off the yoke of God. Beloved, if you suffer from an unbridled and an untamed heart, here's what you need to know. You can, listen, you can, you can yank out the tongue of someone who's got a wicked tongue. They'll just grab a pad and paper and write down what they wanted to say. You got to go to the heart. You got to go to the heart. In fact, Brother George read it out of the mouth, out of the heart, rather, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you suffer from an unbridled and untamed tongue, the root cause of your sin with your mouth is the sin of your heart. Your tongue does not act alone. That's what you need to know. The root cause of your sin originated first in your heart. Again, the passage, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You've heard mama saying, you got a filthy mouth. You've heard somebody say about somebody, you have a filthy mouth. Well, that's because you have a filthy heart. It's because you have a filthy heart. Make the heart new in Christ. Make the heart new in Christ. Fix the heart. Fixes the mouth, rather. Look at Matthew 12. Christ said this about trees that either bear good fruit or corrupt fruit. And this is Matthew 12, 33. Jesus said, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or the fruit will be good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. And the Christian is either known by his words, or he is betrayed by his words. He says, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Listen, if you're in Christ, what will consistently come forth from your life and from your lips is good fruit, good words. We won't read Matthew 15, 18, and 19 because our brother read that, but go to Luke 6.43. 6.43. Listen, I hope this is resonating with you. 
about the words of your mouth, about how you speak, about what you speak. It ought to, because it's our words that we use to tell people about Christ. And Peter even tells us that we ought to edify and build up with our words, not tear down. We shouldn't bite and devour one another with our words. We should, we should encourage. We should edify. We should help others with our words. 6.43 of Luke. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Remember earlier we said if, if you're in Christ, then I don't believe you're going to consistently display an unbridled tongue. God's going to teach you. God's going to teach you. Verse 44, every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns do men gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. And of course, he repeats what we read in the last text there. But listen, the proof and authenticity of your Christianity, of your religion, will be revealed by the fruit of of your lips by the words of your mouth. Listen, one of the most powerful evidences of a new heart and the spirit of God within someone is that you have a sanctified, a tamed, and a bridled tongue. And it's the only, it's only the spirit of God that can tame your tongue. And listen, this is for you to do. This is first for you to recognize it. It's bad when you don't recognize your sin. If you're not spiritually aware enough to realize I'm sinning with my mouth. That's part of the battle, beloved. We need to know. We need to think on our ways. Father, did I glorify you today? Father, help me before I go out into the world today not to say anything stupid or anything sinful or anything that would turn people away from Christ. Help me to have the words of the gospel on my lips. Help me not to lie. Help me not to speak foul language. Help me not to speak like the world. Listen, the worst thing we could do is adapt the world's sayings into ours. Back in Nehemiah's day, the people lost the language of the kingdom. And they were speaking like the heathen nations. We shouldn't do that, beloved. We should speak like children of God. But again, listen, we all have problems with our tongues. We all say things at times that we should not have said, things that we wish we could take back. Listen, Christian, if you're having a bad day with words, if you're having a bad day with talking, with gossip, with slander, with complaining, with murmuring, with foul language, with talking too much, <clears throat> it's because you haven't tended to your heart. You need to tend to your heart. You need to have that quiet time to pull the weeds of sin out of your heart. You need to confess your sin. You need to forsake your sin. You need to repent of your sin. And then you need to cultivate the good word of God into your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. And then you'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then you'll speak with meekness and with grace. And then, beloved, the good ground of your heart will bring forth that which is good. If your tongue would be tamed, 
You cannot and must not neglect to feed your heart with the Word of God. But that's not all. After you feed it, you need to do the Word. Do what it says. Don't be hearers only. <clears throat> and listen, if this is going to be true of you, you need to do what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Just listen. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's something that you deliberately do. You take the yoke of Christ. He says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's not all. Take the yoke. Take my yoke and learn of me. Listen, when we learn of Christ, beloved, God will give us victory in this thing of governing our tongues. The psalmist says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Beloved, we need to remember that God is in heaven and thou upon earth. And this is Ecclesiastes again. He says, since that is true and you realize this, that you're in the sight of God every day of your life, therefore let your words be few. Let your words be few. Speak with purpose. Think about what you say before you speak it. Listen, you can tear down your reputation with just a few words. Just a few bad words. Just a few words. You tear it down. And you know what? Everybody's going to remember that. And you say, well, that's really not fair. That's the way it is. You know that. That's the way it's going to be. And so the psalmist says, I said I will take heed. Listen, these are worthy passages to pray yourself. The psalmist says, I said I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. There's a lot of wisdom. Don't get drawn into a back and forth with someone whom the devil is using to bait you to lose your testimony by saying what you ought not say. The psalmist said, I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing or thinking the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. He thought about what he would say before he said it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Again, the psalmist says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. <coughs> Keep the door of my lips. And then turn to Ephesians and we'll be through. Ephesians chapter <clears throat> there are so many places to go but I think you you understand listen the bottom line that James is teaching us is is the way you speak will tell what you really believe it'll either betray you as having vain religion it'll either betray you of really not being a Christian or it will prove that you really are. 
Listen, if you're newly saved, listen, this takes some cultivation of the word, some growing, some sanctification. Sanctification is as it's progressive. We begin to grow in grace. We learn the truths of God's word. We learn what things are sins and things we should turn against. We learn the things that we should be speaking of and not speaking of. We learn the things that we should be looking at and not looking at. We learn the things that we should be listening to and not be listening to. We fill our hearts with the truth of God's word. And beloved, then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak that which is good. And that's what we should desire every single day of our lives. Listen, a lot of this is about walking with God. Help me, Lord, to say things that would magnify Jesus Christ. The heart of the wise, the Bible says, teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. You'll know when to say something and when not to say something. Listen, I'm the type that's apt to say something quick and God's got to teach me just shut up. Don't say anything. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says even a fool, when he, holds, when he doesn't say anything, he'll be esteemed as a man of wisdom. If a fool doesn't talk, people will think he's wise. And listen, I need that wisdom. I need that wisdom. Ephesians 4.17, Paul talks about to this Gentile church. He says, don't walk, in verse 17, as other Gentiles, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. But listen, if you're in Christ, you're not ignorant. And the more you, you, you read the word of God, the less ignorant you should be. You should know. You should have the knowledge of God within your soul. You should not be blind of heart. Verse 19, he says, Many of these Gentiles, they're callous in their hearts. They're past feeling. They've given themselves over to lasciviousness, just means filthiness, to work all uncleanness. But he says, that's not you. You have not so learned Christ. See, this is who we should be, beloved. We should be those learners of Christ. He says, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, that you put off the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and that you would be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Notice the first thing he says put away here. Put away lying. Speak truth. Every man, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He says in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. He's talking to Christians here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may help others and build them up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Listen, in our Christian lives, we may tell others who we think we are, but our tongues will tell others who we really are. 
That's very convicting. That's very convicting. Convicting to the one that's preaching to you. And brother, brethren, when we do that, we dishonor our Lord. Don't fight for your rights or because you're right and feel like you have to go prove somebody wrong and then you get yourself into some type of debate that brings no glory to God. Just let it alone. Christ could have answered his false accusers, but he did nothing. He sat in silence and let them accuse him. Oh, beloved, let us learn from the silence of Christ. Listen, in closing, you might say, I am not religious at all. I have no religion. I have no Christianity. I would tell you to do something about it. James says, be doers of the word. Jesus says, turn from your sins to Christ. That means you should do something about that. You might say, I'm not religious, so big deal. I say what I want with my tongue. Listen, you'll be judged for every word that you've spoken or said, whether you're in Christ or out of Christ. Every idle word shall men give an account in the day of judgment. Chris talked about that judgment in the first hour. Listen, there was a man a long time ago, Acts chapter 16. He was a jailer. He threw Paul and Silas into the prison angrily. A lost man cared nothing for them. They were just filthy prisoners. Cast them in there. That night he heard them singing praises to God in a prison, shackled. Didn't make sense. But it made all the sense in the world when God opened the prison doors and the chains fell off of all those prisoners. That man feared for his life. And God in that moment put his fear into this man. He knew that he must die if these prisoners would leave this prison. He would have thrust himself through with his own sword. Paul said, do thyself no harm. We are all here. His words were, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? That should be what's in your heart and mind. If, you're, if you say, I have no religion. I have no Christianity. I do not believe in Christ. I would hope that you would say now, what must I do to have Christ? What must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas simply said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He added, And thy house. And the Bible says after this, they went in, he, he believed in the Lord with all of his house. It's an amazing thing. Listen, if you're outside of Christ, you hear Christians talk about the word salvation. You know if salvation's necessary, well, you must be in some danger. If you're lost, you must be in some danger. You are in danger. The Bible says, He that believes not on the Son of God, the wrath of God abideth on him. God is angry with the wicked every day. I wouldn't take that lightly if I were you and if I was lost. I would not take that lightly. I would 
not do nothing. What must I do to be saved? I pray that you would believe Christ this morning to the saving of your soul. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for the privilege to have your word opened to me, even in the first hour and then now, Father, as you teach us. Oh God, I pray that in our lives we would be proper reflections of what it means to be a Christian. To not have a worthless Christianity, but Father, to actually believe Christ and to live after the example of Christ in this lost and dying world. Oh God, I pray for every living soul here in this little building. Father, we, I pray, and I know my brothers and sisters pray as well, that if there are any lost, and I know there are, that you would send your spirit supernaturally do the work that we cannot do. Father, we can plant, we can broadcast the seed, but you must give the increase. Father, even for us who are Christians, oh God, for us who have problems with our tongues, we all do, but Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us, Heavenly Father, to glorify you with our mouths, to say things that would be edifying, honoring to you, that we would not sin with our lips. Help us, Father. Build us up, O oh God, upon our most holy faith. Now I pray for the fellowship time and the meal. We thank you for it. I ask that you'd bless the time. Bless our conversation. And Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts around that lunch table be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brethren. I pray you'll all be staying to eat with us. Listen, say hi to Marvin and Hope. That's Kelly's son-in-law and daughter-in-law. So, um, and y'all go first in the line, okay? Kelly, you get up there with them. So, so y'all are our guests, so you get to go first. So, anyway, if there's nothing else, uh, this evening, pray for Jared. Uh, Jared and I will be here with some of the veterans and... Um, and meeting, starting to meet with them every other Sunday evening. So pray the Lord will bless that. Amen, brethren. We're dismissed. Oh, we do? Hang on. We got birthdays.